1: Everybody want to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. Lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert. My name is Travis Bean, and I I feel bad. I've already lied. What? It's not a lyrical
0: analysis of Kanye West. I know. It's a visual analysis of Kanye West. It's a visual. (laughs) It's a visual. We, uh, of course, are talking genius today, the Netflix Kanye documentary. Ooh, part two. Part two, right? We've done our discussion of part one. I did my individual review of part one, Yeah, and then you did, we did together a a discussion of part one, and now we're on to part two. I mean, who knows what's going to happen next? (laughs) It might be part three. It could be, but we could skip to part four. We could skip to part four. You don't even know about part four. That's right. We do. We made it.
1: There's no part four. Yeah. (laughs) We made part four. It's a very indulgent... Kanye documentary in that it's about us. Yeah, it's about us trying to get an interview with Kanye.
0: <laughs> it's all this just a Miami trip. <laughs> yeah. Which if you're a if you're a longtime listener, you understand the context. If you're not, hey. <laughs> yeah, what a what a glimpse back in time.
1: We were invited to Miami to interview with Kanye, and then it probably didn't happen. I don't know. The probably trip's not over that. yet. <laughs> no,
0: we are a few hours away from the Donda 2 concert, but here we are in our hotel room making content making content because that's the name of the game right yep sponsored by starbucks nitro cold brew it's not but starbucks if you want to if you want to throw us you know a few bones just for like the show in this can yeah i mean we won't say right now whether it was good or not but if you pay us
1: i gotta be honest like this isn't gonna help me get a sponsorship deal but i don't like starbucks that much (laughs) (laughs) but this tastes pretty good (laughs) Bringing <laughs> endorsements. See, this
0: is the kind of 70 calories.
1: Um, how much sugar? 11 grams of sugar. That
0: ain't nothing. I mean, that ain't nothing. that ain't nothing. I'll take that all day. Uh, okay, so genius part two. Uh, it's the sequel to part one. Yep, and, and the prequel to part three. And the prequel to part three. <laughs> and it's like the Star Wars prequel
1: in a way. It, I mean, because it came second and it was a prequel to one of the parts. You
0: understand it in a way that so, no no professional critic has. This is the Clone Wars of Kanye's career. Uh, <laughs> don't put it that. Way. I
1: didn't even go Phantom Menace. I just went Clone Wars. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> don't put it that way. How do you feel? Do you like any of the prequels?
0: I actually, I'm like neutral to positive on Phantom, Phantom Menace. I, I like Phantom Menace. Yeah, I I think at the time the it was disappointing. Two. Yeah, but I think over the years as I've adjusted. I like Phantom Menace. <laughs> Clone Wars, I haven't watched in over a decade. That's true. I haven't seen it. I remember liking it decently enough. I didn't think it was great, but that it had some action sequences that I liked and it was okay. I still hate Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I didn't dig it. I think all the plot choices are absolutely horrible, that like the filmmaking's horrible, but everybody loves it because it's like... Nah, whatever. We don't need to record on that thing. Oh, is it not recording? Yeah, it's okay. We're just gonna record. Okay. We'll use this recording. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I just think it's bad plot decisions. But people love it because it's it's the climactic yeah. part of the story, right? So when you have, like, Obi-Wan and Anakin facing down. That part's pretty badass. I think every choice they make throughout that fight is stupid. Oh, but really? everybody's like, it's the oh, fight. It's awesome. I enjoyed it. I think... again, haven't
1: seen it in... How old? I'm getting old. How yeah. long has it been since the movie came out? Because that was
0: the last time I saw it. I think it, it came <laughs> out like 2005, <laughs> 6, 7, something like that. Okay, okay, let's stop talking about Anyway, Genius Part 2. Let's talk about actually like a great cinema. Yeah, good <laughs> movies. So, Genius Part 1 uh, is this amazing look at Ye from the his rise in Chicago to moving out to New York, and you have Cootie, who's documenting everything, wanting to make his version of Hoop Dreams yeah. and thinking, like, Kanye has something special, especially when H to the Izzo was the first song that Ye played for Cootie. And it, at that time, it wasn't H to the Izzo. It was just this beat that Ye had. And Cootie's driving around Chicago one day, and yeah. hears the song. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, you know That's what, what they do. Yeah, I'm gonna go record this guy. So you get a lot of early two thousand two, right? Heading into October of two thousand two, where Ye gets signed to Rockefeller. So it's really like Ye trying to get signed, making beats. You get this history all through Cootie's lens, right? And it's such an underdog story. It's very endearing. Uh it's very watchable. Like I keep saying the thing I keep saying whenever I talk about this is like infinitely rewatchable. And part two just picks up right where part one left off in terms of being this underdog story that is just so you root for yay. There's like an innocence. There's a beauty. There's a a wonder to this story to where it's just very engaging and entertaining, especially because we know where it goes, right? Like we know the success of the college dropouts. And yet we're seeing all these people figuring it out for the first time, which is really fun because you're just like, are you going to get it? Yeah. Are you going to get it? And when Pharrell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I mean. That's my favorite scene in all of th- part two. This
1: whole, this whole movie is just people reacting. <laughs> th- that, that was my big takeaway from the movie is like you watch part one and Connie's going into all these offices and, and rapping for people. Yeah. And doing all falls down. And look, we talked about it in the first episode like I totally get like some dude wanders into your office starts rapping at you like maybe you're not into it. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe you're kind of like what is this guy doing? But at the same time all falls down like nothing possibly sounded like all falls down back in 2002 he was doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, like yeah. incredible. And you you have that feeling when you're watching it and you're like how are they not having this reaction? For whatever reason, they don't. And then as Connie goes and plays his music for people over and over, they Mm -hmm. have the exact same reaction. Like, a genuine, like, oh, my God, like, I've never heard anything (laughs) like this. Like, you are so talented. Like, you're not just a producer. You're somebody who, like, is able to find the art of, like, the beat that you've made and the sample that you've used and, like, be a part of it. Like, it's something very transcendent yeah. that you see them experiencing in real time. Like, we all have, we all know that feeling when you hear something special. And to see people ha- happening to them in real time, live, like, yeah, that Pharrell scene, it's, it's just so overwhelmingly beautiful to watch.
0: And the fact that, like, people talked in part one about the... And we talked about it in our part one discussion how long the Donda scene lasts to where it's not just this like quick moment of yay seeing Donda and you hear her give like a couple lines of like advice advice yeah to where you're just like okay that was Donda you get like 10 minutes (laughs) of them interacting and talking and you see the the important moments the small moments you just get to really soak in the interaction right and that's what I loved about the Pharrell scene so You have this moment where Ye's in the studio with Pharrell, and he's like, hey, can I play you something? And what does he play him? He plays, um, I have it written down. It's not Through the
1: Wire. Um, Yes, it is. It is. Because he realizes what he, because he hears the whole verse, and then he says, like, I I speak Through the Wire, you know? And, like, he finally gets, like, the metaphor. (laughs) He's just like, ah! And again, like, it's a genuine of, like, oh, like, you're doing something. Like, you've reached a point that most
0: people don't get to. Yeah. And Pharrell's just like... Pharrell keeps apologizing to him. He's like, I'm sorry. He says it like, ten times. I didn't see it. Like, I didn't see it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I see it now. Like, I see it. Oh, my God. And Pharrell does the thing where he just walks out of the room and, like, goes down the hallway because he's so overwhelmed. It's such a pure moment. It made me, like, kind of cry a little. It's making me tear it's up awesome. a little now. Just because... Pharrell is so young and like at this point yeah. Pharrell's like a legend, right? Yeah, Neptunes. Neptune, like, but even... Click, uh, or uh, uh, Clips, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, at this point, like, in modern day, we just think of Pharrell as like he's been doing it for 20 years, over right. 20 years. Like, he's a legend, but back then, Pharrell's like, what was he like? In his 20s, mm-hmm. he's like this young kid who's giving such like sage... He's just so cool. Yeah. Like, you're just like, oh, Pharrell's awesome. And what he's saying to Ye is so genuine, so heartfelt. And it's a thing that Ye didn't get all through part one. Yes. Like, you never get this, like, genuine, I believe in you. You're doing something special from a peer. Like, you get people that are like, he's a great producer, like, he's next up. But it feels like they're just kind of saying things to say it because the camera's there. They want to be in his good graces. But when Pharrell's saying that shit, like Pharrell is speaking from the heart. God, it's so cool. It's it's one of the beautiful parts in the
1: movie is um, we'll talk more about this in part three. How Cootie is kind of like a central character in the movie, yeah. you realize. And he, in a way, represents people Kanye grew up with, like people yeah. from Chicago. And and that's what you hear like in part one. Like people in Chicago get it. They hear what Kanye's doing, they're like, Oh, like here's a guy like from our neighborhood doing something incredible, like someone who can make it big, somebody who can go to New York or LA or whatever and like be gigantic. It's not easy to transport that attitude to either New York or the West Coast. Like for people to have that same attitude about you. And he has to slowly cultivate that kind of thing. It's uh yeah, it's just incredible to like one by one, he's knocking down the dominoes. Like you got Pharrell, you got Dre Davis, you got um Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx who's just like, you know the the whole story of Jamie Foxx they actually they didn't talk about it in the documentary at all but the, the I think he talked about it on a late night show or something like whenever a musician came over to Jamie Foxx's house for a party he would say like we have to go to my studio and do a song like it's kind of a rule of mine and it's usually probably just like a fuck around like oh, let's go record a song let's test some stuff out Kanye goes down there and plays slow jams <laughs> like slow jams ain't your typical shit like uh-huh. that is that is some immaculate transcendent stuff like you're like oh like Marvin Gaye some movie like it's it, it flows so well and you see Jimmy Fox getting into it and he's like he's like all right he's like uh you, you'd watch his face like the whole time it's just kind of like he's like listening to Connie's like okay like that's interesting and then he's like and then Connie's like explaining this song, and he's like all right yeah like this is cool <laughs> and then he gets into the booth and he's like into it and he's like ad-libbing and it just like becomes it naturally becomes something so beautiful and
0: profound And then it becomes slow jams. You witness history. (laughs) Like, you just witness him, like, getting the instructions and being like, uh, I get it. And then laying down what became the intro to slow. It's insane.
1: Nobody talking about how they feel and how they... (laughs) (laughs) Like, again, Connie just so naturally had it. And that's the difference you see. As opposed to, like, someone who has talent who can do this or that for you. Like, Kanye is just somebody who, like, he exudes confidence, talent, like, so ready to work, so ready to collaborate. Like, that kind of energy, like, when you're around people like that, you, you feel it. Like, when you're an artist and you also want to create and do great stuff, like, it just, like, it it it, it empowers you to do that kind of stuff. Like, you watch that happen. It's, it's so
0: rare to capture that on camera. Yeah. And you know, jumping back a little bit, the structure of part two, which maybe you're watching this and you've already seen it. Maybe you're getting this as like a, a preview, a hype video or podcast. Yeah. Um, but you start off with Ye's accident, right? Mm. Well, essentially, you start off with he got signed to Rockefeller at yeah. the end of part one. And you're like, oh, this is the big break. And you realize, no, it's not. Despite being signed, he's still not getting the album made right they're not letting him make the college dropout he has no marketing budget he has no recording budget so he's in purgatory a little bit and he's having to go make beats for other artists and they talk about this how he's just like making all of these beats for other artists so he can afford his stuff because he's still not getting money from Rockefeller in the way that an artist signed to Rockefeller gets money and then the car crash happens and there's not the direct statement that rockefeller caused like i don't want to go that way but you get the idea that because he wasn't getting the budget that an artist would get he was working extra hard extra long hours and really having to burn the candle at both ends and he was actually at the studio you see somebody like Def Jam sends him out, or Rockefeller sends him out to Los Angeles to record for somebody else's album as a producer. And that's when the car crash happens, which is kind of
1: wild. It's like, it's out of a movie that kind of like, like this kind of thing that happens in a plot that doesn't feel believable. Like, (laughs) it's just like, oh, you just happen to be like called out to like be forced to do somebody else's album and not be able to work on yours. And like this accident happens, like this thing that pushes you even further away when you're already being pushed further away.
0: Yeah. Which.
1: He's Kanye West. Like, nothing, no obstacle is too great for Kanye. Like, <laughs> like, those two obstacles
0: piled on top of each other. Like, he jumped right over it
1: and yeah. still did
0: it. So, the the part two doesn't focus so much on the car crash. Like, I thought they might spend a yeah. little bit more time in terms of, like, how life-threatening it was, like, the hospitalization, the concern that people have. But you kind of go from, like, the crash, the Kanye not being in good condition to him being out of the hospital. Like, it's kind of quick. Because Cootie wasn't around in Los Angeles at that time. He flew out in the aftermath. But you kind of pick up with Ye uh, a few weeks removed from the accident and trying to figure out everything with his mouth and the surgery and jaw and all of that. It was kind of amazing to me how casual Mm -hmm. everything was. Because when I think back to that time, I think back to, like, He's in the hospital, he's broken, right. like, he's a broken person, will he recover? And it's kind of just like back to the same old stuff, but he has this jaw issue now. Like, there's something very plain about it. Yeah. Uh, mundane about him dealing with the, the aftermath of the accident.
1: I, I almost feel like it was more of a poetic choice, though, because they instead of, like, steeping in the accident, which is more of, like, a movie-like thing to do, Mm -hmm. like, steep in the drama and the pain of something, like, they do kind of just cut forward to him, like, this doesn't stop Kanye. All he's worried about is, like, when can I get this shit out of my face because I need to be, like, on camera and, like, look good. Yeah. To, I think they deal with it more through the wire video. That becomes kind of a central element of the movie. Yeah. It's, like, they're working on it. They have these ideas for it. They have no budget for it. Kanye's paying for it for himself. And throughout the movie... You, you, like, get these little snippets of, like, they're working on the through-water video. Like, they've done this with it so far. And it's taking a while because, like, Chike, like, you know, they're doing this all on a on a computer in yeah. Chike's studio. It's not like that's a big-budget operation. Yeah. Um, and it's all the slow build to, towards the end, kind of premieres the video and finally wins Dame Dash over because the video blows up because, like... You witness somebody who, like, had no help and against all odds made this video about something that should have ended his career and instead launched his career. (laughs) Like, it's the most Kanye possible thing that could have happened. And that's when Dame Dash is like,
0: oh, shit, like, you're for real. Like, people believe in you. Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, you have these contrasting scenes, which is also a really nice choice, where at one point, Ye goes to Dame's house Oh, and God. I forget who the 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 woman rapping is, but she's, like, younger, right? Yeah. Uh, I think they call her, like...
1: I, was, I didn't recognize her.
0: I didn't remember the name, but it's just, like, a, a younger female rapper. And they're in Dame's place, and she raps. And everybody in the room is just, like, listening. And Dame's like, all right, that was cool. Good job. Like, gives her praise. And you realize this is, like... A hurdle. This is something that like artists have to do mm-hmm. to get Dame to sign them or give them a budget. Yeah. It's like the behind the scenes American idol of the industry <laughs> and like making your career. And yay's there. Yeah. And he's like, yo, let me play something for you. And goes and puts in music. And Dame leaves the room. Yeah. He just like leaves the room and then when he comes he back. Leaves the house. He leaves the house. <laughs> he's just like, I hey, I'm leaving. Y'all can stay. And it's like the same thing that we saw with him playing all falls down, but the executive version of it, like these aren't just people in the office. This is like one of the CEOs of Rockefeller just leaving him on red. Like I'm, I'm bouncing. I don't need to listen to this. He's so unimpressed by what yay is doing that it sets up the later scene with through the wire of what will Dame like will Dame even give him the time of day. And you have this. Im- <laughs> that scene is great. Yeah, the moment where like Ye's introing the video, Dame's not there yet when he's getting ready to Yes, that's it. right, yeah. And he starts like kind of going off a little bit. He's like, you know, I don't have a production budget. I don't have a marketing <laughs> budget. I don't have a budget for my that's album. Right. Like... Rockefeller hasn't given me anything, and then Dame Dash comes down the yeah, hallway, right in the middle of Kanye talking about. Right, it. and you know that he would have heard it,
1: probably, yeah,
0: because <laughs> it seems like there's a hallway he was already. And he the has door. a look on his face of
1: like, either he doesn't want to be there or yeah, he heard it and like knows <laughs> that like Kanye's
0: like a little hurt about it. You yeah, know? like I heard everything you're saying, <laughs> and then Yay for his part, like he he talks up like dame but he doesn't necessarily back down off of what he was no, saying. No, not at all. Like you don't see him be like, "Oh no." No. And then he plays the video and the video is like the video is cool cuz as you said, it's like uh, cootie was doing the documentary, he meets Shike who's at MTV, and they're putting together this like first look at Kanye and Shike having been part of that. Decides to work on this music video with Kody. And you get them essentially getting people reacting to Through the Wire. Yeah. So you get DeRay Davis reacting, you get Pharrell reacting, you get, I forget who else we see react to it, but... It was, um, I think those were the main three. And yeah, some of the, those two.
1: Who was the third? Oh, uh, and uh, I guess, no, not Jamie Fox because he's not really reacting mm-hmm. to it. You're right, there was somebody else. There
0: was knows. somebody else, but like you see the clips that we've seen throughout the video, which is kind of like awesome as well in terms of like the filmmaking aspect and what like Kudi, Chike, J. Ivy as well, who like helped write and figure this out, um, what they were doing in terms of setting up because you're witnessing all the behind the scenes stuff that only like they get to see. Yeah. And that only they knew about all this time. And now we're, like, privilege to get to see it and it's like all these clips that we saw end up making the music video yeah and it's just like oh wow <laughs> we just watched the making of the music video yeah it really is history in the making <sighs> I mean and that just gets at like a part in part three yeah which I don't want to jump ahead in <laughs> part three but I'm itching to talk about when it. <laughs> we get to the life of Pablo yeah it's like Cootie's camera. There was the one capturing the. I, I- didn't know that. The iconic like Cudi and Yay Ye yeah. jumping up and down, like that famous image of Yay and Cudi at uh, Yeezy season three. Yeah, that was Cootie. Like Cootie was the one filming that, unless yeah. it was like footage from someone. But I'm pretty sure that was Cootie's footage. It looked like it. He, he had the angle that I remember. Yeah, I, so that mm-hmm. just like blew my mind. That like, and there are all these videos that I've seen over the years that ended up being footage from like cooties camera from part one part two and part three which is just amazing man
1: I don't even... It's just such an incredible... Like, the whole story, like, even bouncing off the Through the Wire thing, where, like, Kanye is slowly, like, making this video while he's doing all this other stuff. Like, again, he's not getting studio time. And he's having to run off and, like, produce these songs for people. Um, whenever he interacts with people in the hallway, like, all they want to know is, like, hey, man, I need beats. Like, yes. that's all you get from him. Like, they're not interested in him, like, what he wants. He even shows up to the studio... There's a scene, I think it's a pointed scene they use in the movie where, like, he's producing a song for, like, a kid. You remember this? There's, like, a kid rapper in the studio, and, like, I don't even remember who this kid is. Uh. But, like, it's clear they're making a point of, like, oh, Rockford believes in this, like, little kid more <laughs> than they believe in he Kanye. Knew. It's not Bow Wow. It's not... No, like, no, 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 yeah. no. Not Bow Wow. Bow Wow's in the movie. Yeah. Uh, they, they use him as a joke. Yeah. Uh, they, they a joke. yeah. Or, I think that's part one, yeah, that's right? Part that's part one. That's part one. Yeah. Um, but they just, like, they keep piling on, like, how Kanye, like, has... And Connie is just slowly, again, manifesting what he wants, willing it into existence because he just keeps. The only way he's able to make his album is by borrowing studio time from people. Yeah. Like, shows up to Ludacris' studio, like, record a song, like, show up to Jamie Foxx's, like, just show up to Jamie Foxx's house for the fuck of it and recording Jamie Foxx's part. Like, he has to keep doing this kind of, like, blue collar kind of shit, you know, like, making it himself. Yeah. I mean, what's more inspired? Like, and it's not like he just made like he didn't. It's not like he made nothing. He made the college dropout. Like it's one of the most important rap albums of all time. We witness one of the most important rap albums of all time being made in this blue collar way. Like
0: you could do anything. Yeah. After seeing something like that, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it lives up to the the expectation of like Absolutely. Ye's underdog story, the myth and the legend of Ye's come up. You're just like, oh yeah. Nobody exaggerated anything about the story. Like, Last Call was not an exaggeration. They under-exaggerated. Like, yeah, if, <laughs> if anything, it was harder than what you <laughs> thought it was for him. Um, but you have, like, the great scene, like, with the dentist when he's going oh, in. The dentist getting, scene like, had me cracking up. I thought, I was like, the guy's
1: being kind of mean. He but. was, well, he was at first, he was being, at first he was being, like, like doctor practical. Mm-hmm. Like, He's like, you have a camera in here. Like, you, you can't have a camera in here. I'm gonna go in your mouth. And Connie's like, is that a problem? He says, like, is that illegal? And the yeah. guy's like, no, it's not illegal. <laughs> but and then you just like all of a sudden, the guy like settles into it, and yeah. he's like, he's like, all right, like let's do it. And he's like making jokes of him as he's like digging through his teeth, and he's like, he's playing it up to the camera and everything. Like it must be just the effect Connie has on people. I don't <laughs> know. Maybe if I ever get to actually talk to Connie, I'll turn into like such a charmer or something. <laughs> but like it, it was just so awesome, like. Again, that's the best part of the movies, I think, is, like, all these genuine moments that you don't really... I feel like I was trying to describe that and when we were... Not that the we were talking about The Last Dance and how I was disappointed by it. And not that every documentary needs to be like this. But sometimes documentary have this sense of, like, there's a barrier, and, like, you're there to learn about something, and you're not really living in the moment. Like, this movie has that. You are there in it. Like, you're
0: experiencing it, and, like, you just kind of... what it's like to be around Connie it's it's an incredible achievement yeah we were talking about this I can't remember did we talk about it during part one or was it just you and I I, let's find out yeah but we're talking (laughs) about kind of the difference in approach like you see in a documentary like The Last Dance a lot of it relies upon the confessionals right there's a lot of present day commentary from Mm. people that breaks up the historic aspect of the documentary right to where like you do get footage from like this game or the locker room here and there, but that's broken up by Michael Jordan in the present day talking by this other person in the present day talking, you hop, skip and jump around a lot to where it's cool to see the historic footage, but you're never really getting to like dive into the historical elements where with Kudi and Shike's documentary, like Kudi's footage for genius you're really just, like, in the flow of that period. And you get Cootie's voiceover right. from the present day. But it's not like we're getting, like, confessionals with Cootie being like this in front of the camera and being like, so this is what was going on back then. Yeah. Or cutting to, like, J.I.V. or anyone else. Like, DeRay Davis now talking about it then, which would interrupt kind of the flow of the time period. Yeah. It's something else like the the Beatles Let It Be documentary that just came out... At Christmas. Oh, the Peter Jackson one. The Peter Jackson one is also just, like, not uncut footage from that time, but it's just...
1: Yeah, uh, you're seeing them, like, fuck around and, like, just be happening to make a Beatles <laughs> album, which
0: is legendary. Yeah, and it's all, like, you're not getting anything from the present day. You're not not even getting commentary, right? Like no. You're getting some, like, title cards at times. Yeah. Um, which was cool to just kind of be in the moment with them and be that steeped in what was happening back then i feel like this is a good middle ground because that at times was too much without any kind of context so yeah this was this was more up my alley in terms of having cootie giving some context providing like a present day voice Mm. and kind of a a capturing some of the sentiments from today back then but you do have like the transitions start to happen right The underdog story that was so relevant in part one and part two throughout most of part two, right? Finally, yay releases through the wire, wins Dame over, you go full tilt into the making of the college dropouts and you get to see him recording some of these songs and his budget's free and like he's getting more artists in and it's exciting. And you have this moment where he's talking to Cootie and he's like, hey, we're getting Hype Williams. Yeah. to do the Jesus Walks video. And you can sense the polite tension that's there <laughs> as like... Yeah. Why am I not doing your video? Yeah, where it's like Kuti and Shike just like essentially jump-started Ye's rapping career with the yeah. Through the Wire video. Yeah. Which granted, the song's insane. Like people were reacting powerfully to the song without the visuals. But it was the music video itself and the response to the music video they got everything going and you know probably after time through the wire would have yeah as just a song made headway for Kanye maybe it would have taken a few months more maybe a couple weeks but still how things played out right kudi and Chike were major players with the through the wire video so you'd expect for their next for the next video yeah, you would be like all right let's run this back we're doing it again right. this trio and instead, he's like, "Yo, I have to go with Hype Williams." Yeah, and like Hype Williams is a legend. He had done Belly at that point. Yeah, he had made all these um, famous music. So many videos. music videos, yeah. And you have Cootie being like, "What? Like not not saying like how could you do this to me, but not necessarily being like it's cool." He's just like, "Are you sure? Like what?" Well, Uh, that becomes an important part
1: of the movie, and it exposes more in part three, but like, again, that difference between, like, somebody you know from your neighborhood who's making it to, like, what happens when you make it. Yeah. Like, the... It's not necessarily a bad thing that happens. Like, it's natural, but it's just something you have to come to terms with. Like, a reality of the world, and... I don't know. There, there's like, there's still. It's funny because like, there's tension no matter how you look at it. Like, there's no reason it has to be that way. Like, you can still like, Cootie could direct all your videos for the rest of your life because like, he, he did through the wire. It did work. Yeah. Um, but there's, well, I don't want to get into part three too much. But yeah, it's just, it sets the seeds for that.
0: Yeah, because you're starting to see the first transition of Ye is stepping into fame and what changes it's like now that now that he has attention and acclaim and there's momentum behind his name hype williams is on board right and instead of being like well no Cootie and chike are my guys we made this video i don't need hype it's like no i'm hype to get hype yeah and because i can get hype i will get hype and i'm sorry but you understand right it's yeah, hype williams exactly and kudi's like yeah i i mean yes but you know that <laughs> You're going to disagree. He's not going to be able to do the things that you want to do. And you're going to come back to us. And we're going to film a whole other video. And Ye's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that ends up being what happens. Exactly what happens. They do. He films like Jesus Walks version one with Hype Williams. Isn't happy with it. Uses his own money to film another like big budget version two with another. It might have been Hype. It might have just been him. I don't remember who it was. He does it like that. And then he comes back to Kuti and Shike and they film like a much more guerrilla style auteur mm. um, back in Chicago where they have like just some random friend of theirs playing Jesus. And it's just like going about your day in Chicago and Jesus is with you. Which is like strikingly different than the <laughs> yes. other two.
1: I mean it's a Hype Williams video. Like it's like a uh, the the original one like it's because the, the Cootie one's, like, so humbling and independent. And Hype yeah. Williams, like, it's Hype Williams. Like, he made belly. It's, like, colorful and extra and everything. Flames. Yeah. There's flames. <laughs> it,
0: yeah, the difference in, like, just the sensibility, it feels like the difference between something like Fast and Furious and Uncut Gems. Like you, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a good comparison. You just get that that degree of just difference in tone, bombacity. Uh, but it's... It's a little brutal to see that transition start to take place. And you can't help but think about Yates speaking on like late registration, graduation, 808s, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, as he starts to reflect upon the fact that as I get more famous, I get more disconnected. And here you're seeing it in real time with him and Cootie, who already he's like disconnecting from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you get like a few more things right you get like gold digger um... um yeah you see that the the
1: that starting to come together I think the big thing at the end of the movie though is like they spend a little more time on Kanye and Donda's relationship yeah and how like they're he kind helping Donda with like her charity yeah and he goes and talks in front of all these kids and th- I thought this was a cool touch actually in a, like kind of a a purposeful transition between part two and three because part three it flashes forward and you're seeing kanye like kind of lose it with celebrity and like being really out there and like over exposing himself uh but back in part one like he's still fresh he's still like respectable he's still somebody not that he's not respectable but like everyone likes kanye at this yeah. point and he goes and talks in front of these kids like it's important that kanye's talking to these kids and you get this one little sound from kanye And the things he says to inspire these kids, like, how can you be overconfident? (laughs) That that kind of statement from Kanye that today a lot of people roll their eyes at, back then was like, fuck yeah. Like, how can you be overconfident? Like, of course. Like, listen to this man. (laughs) Um, It was like, it's a nice little insight into, like, he wasn't overexposed yet. So, like, the things he said were meaningful and powerful and uplifting because, like, it wasn't, like constant, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't like we were getting a lot of that kind of stuff back then. Like Kanye was truly unique in that sense. Um so it was just so cool to see him then being like that and like so God, you could just see people investing themselves in him. And then as a result, you could see why they would feel burned out by him and like betrayed by him. Yeah. Because like they talk about the old Kanye, like oh I like the old Kanye. But watching this movie you kind of realize like there isn't really an old and new Kanye. There's just, like, it's just all about the filter you put him through and, like, how you're seeing him and, like, what kind of, um, I mean, the people he has in his life, like, keeping him grounded and, like, saying things that, like, speak to the kids. Like, there's, like, a balance to it all that was, like, it was just a perfect balance back then. It was just something, like, everybody, like, loved and there was this dewy-eyedness about it, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's the innocence of not having come up yet, right? Yeah, exactly. There's still a fragility to your position. You're still not made. You still don't have millions of dollars, much less billions of dollars. So there's... And he hadn't been heard... He hadn't had a voice in the public before. So all of these things, as you're saying, feel very refreshing. Where by the time there's a controversy or two, by the time you've heard it for the... Five hundred time, it's easier for people to kind of be like,
1: eh. Like him at the Grammy scene, like, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Like, that was... It was legendary in the moment. Legendary. But now you look back and you're kind of just like, oh, that's just... Like, that feels like a Kanye...
0: Not... We don't feel that way, but, like, you can see a lot of people feeling that way. Well, it would be something if he did it today, it wouldn't... Yes. It wouldn't have the same, like... No. Innocence and boldness that it had back then, right? But... you do start to see this transition to all right i'm now ahead of the curve i was behind the curve i was outside of the curve altogether for so long and now that he's starting to get ahead of things you're starting to see the way in which uh, things are starting to the pace of his life is starting to increase and what does that what does that mean for him and I mean I recently listened I keep talking about this and like everything that we're doing the Brett Easton Ellis podcast episode with Ye I'm it. and this is 2013 it's after Yeezus came out and Ye is talking about how he needs to find things that calm him down because it's easy for him to start to race mm. or start to get like ramped up and caught up in things so he's like you know I try like porn I try drinking I try like sex I try like medication i try all of these uh medication meditation religion all of these things to try to like bring me back to center like slow the pace of things like calm everything down and that's i think the major difference that you see in like part 1 and part 2 things are still calm like there's a lot of stuff going on but things are still like his life is still in a calmer place Mm -hmm. and you can see the pace start to quicken. And that's really the pace of part three is everything's like faster, snappier, there's so much more demand on his time that listening to Brett Easton Ellis podcast and yay, speaking specifically to that idea of like, how do I slow myself down? How do I slow like the world down when everything's so fast? Like, it's not something that you hear about in the documentary, but it's something that you can feel happen over the course of the documentary that I think explains a lot of the difference in just, like, yay between parts two and three. Even though so much is still the same, I think that's the major difference is the pace and the impact that the pace has On him because, for the most part, how you're seeing him talk in part three, like Mm. a lot of his interactions, you're like, same guy. It's the exact same guy. Same exact (laughs) guy in 2002 as like 2017 as 2022. Like the difference that you see in the headlines is not as severe as the difference you see behind the scenes, but the pace of life is much larger. Yeah. It's um, God,
1: you're making me realize like even more why Part Three is so good. It's so good. It it really, I mean, I don't want to hype it up too much, but it really crystallizes the movie in a way. Like you, yeah. you kind of realize what the movie's doing. Like everything you just said, like makes me realize that even more. Like the yeah. fact that it speeds up and like you kind of become lost in Kanye's life. It, it's it's just such a perfect representation of. I don't think this is spoiling things too much. Um, that Part Three, you kind of start to realize that you're not just watching a documentary about Kanye's life. You're watching Kanye's life from Cootie's perspective and from like our perspective. We're like, yeah, Cootie saw this guy who like was young, like up and coming, like had drive. And then you can slowly see how like that can spiral in a way, especially when you don't have like your rock, your foundation, the stability, like you feel kind of lost. Things are moving a million miles an hour. And suddenly like, Kanye feels lost at the same time, like, you feel lost following him. Like, it's just all happening at once. Like, oh my gosh, like, it's out of control. Like, how could anybody handle this kind of thing? And you, it just, like, you, you see this natural progression from, like, how slow and still part one and two are to, like, pfft, once you take off, you take the fuck off. <laughs>
0: and there's nothing to do about it. Yeah, and how do you cope with that? And that's what the beauty of part three, and we'll get into that at some point, but the beauty is... That it starts to become not just like the Kanye documentary, but a documentary about what it means to achieve and the consequences of success. Yes. That and the consequences of like anyone pursuing something, finding something, and how do you then deal with the aftermath of that? Uh, which you don't really see. It's like you have yes. all these movies that usually deal with just like the underdog going from underdog to success but not the consequences of success and the reality of success, because Hollywood isn't often concerned with the consequences of things. Mm. It's just concerned with like, did we do it or not? Yes or no. It's the binary, but reality isn't so binary. And the fact that this documentary takes the extra step into the consequences, but doesn't make it just about yay, but starts to make it about like, all of us yeah,
1: and the way in which
0: life affects us and the way in which having like parents and mentors and other people that support us or the lack of that support and how that impacts us, especially as our lives get more complicated, just beautiful and having
1: empathy for people who are going through things and like not like you're hurt by things, but you, but you are understanding at the same time. Like you, you, you're able to let some of that hurt go because you care so much about somebody and you understand and like you have to be that way if they're going to make it, if they're going to get to the other side and get better.
0: Yeah. Oh, part three. Yeah, part three. So part one and part two, amazing in terms of like the underdog story, the innocence of it all, the beauty of it all, the achievements. But part three is where you just get into like that next year of like narrative and theme and art Oh man, but part two, I think I end up liking part two more than part one. Just yeah, just because like you get a little bit of that like closure in yeah. terms of the album making. I mean,
1: it's just cool in the sense that you watch the College up being made. <laughs> I've listened to the College rep about a million times, and I didn't know what I didn't know any. I mean, I I, I knew of it generally, but like to see it happening. Uh,
0: Wow! next next level (laughs) wow (laughs) that's crazy alright well we're gonna go to the concert we're in Miami for that reason ready to go Uh, I got my black on yeah I need to change clothes so (laughs) that's it for this uh, for this episode but thanks for watching listening yeah and stay wavy. keep it loopy
1: and I am and they ask me they ask me they ask me I tell them Raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky.
0: This is the last call for alcohol.